0: Here in the book of Haggai, we have a marvelous view of what God views as clean and unclean, especially when it comes to interpersonal relationships, as well as our relationship with Him. On today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, we'll take another look at this view of what it means to be clean and unclean, and the fact that God wants to not only make us clean, but bless us as well. Welcome to Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We greet you in Christ and welcome you to today's broadcast as we continue our survey of Haggai. As we begin today's broadcast, we'll do so in Numbers 19 as a cross reference to get a clearer view of what God views as unclean and why, and how He desires to make us clean, and then bless us after the fact. With a marvelous look at Haggai, our teacher and pastor now once again, Pastor Steve Converse with this edition of Graceful Truth. Now in Numbers chapter
1: 19 verse 13, concerning the old ceremonial law, we have a law that explains this whole thing about what's clean and what's unclean. We're not going to go into all of it, but it's important to understand it. And in verse 13 of Numbers chapter 19, he's talking about one of the things that they considered unclean was a dead body. They weren't allowed to touch a dead body. And if they did, they're considered unclean. And just so you understand, in Numbers nineteen thirteen, here's what it says. Whoever touches a dead person, the body of anyone who has died and does not cleanse himself. They had a whole ritual of cleansing themselves. It says, he defiles the temple of the Lord. And that person shall be, listen to this, cut off from Israel. Because the water for impurity was not thrown on him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. Now you stop and say, why would God say something like that? Seems kind of hard. Seems kind of rash. There are so many obscure rules and principles in the Old Testament, especially in the first five books, if you've ever read, read through them. I mean, it's, it's, they seem unreasonable at times. It's hard sometimes even to make them intelligible in our current society and culture. Why are these people not allowed to touch certain things or eat certain things? Why was it that way? In Leviticus 10.10, God is telling why he gave all these rules to the children of Israel about not touching this or not being allowed to touch this. He says this in Leviticus 10, verses 10 to 11. This is all given. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, verse 11. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes of the Lord as spoken to them by Moses. So why are they not allowed to eat certain things? Why are they not allowed to touch certain things? The reason is because God was trying to teach them a spiritual lesson. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual way. He was trying to help them understand that in this world, there are clean and unclean things. And so we see here two questions. Can holiness be transferred? The priests say no. Well, can filthiness be transferred? (laughs) The priest says yes. Well, how does that apply to us? Let me help you understand with an illustration. Think of science. Topic of science. And as you know, I could work out in the gym and I could become the the fittest person in the world if I wanted to, if I had the resources to. I mean, there's people that would coach you. I mean, you could become, you know, you look at somebody like Jack LaLanne, incredible specimen of the human body. He's dead now, hopefully with the Lord. He claimed to be a Christian. But I mean, that man was incredible. And yet, you know what? You could spend all the time you want with Jack LaLanne. He cannot transfer his health to you you can go hang out in the gym all you want just hanging out in the gym and not gonna because you're around healthy people they're not gonna make you healthy can't transfer that can't transfer your health but you know what some of you have experienced this lately if you have a cold or if you have a flu or if you have virus you know that that can get transferred and it gets transferred around your little house with your kids and around the church and everything health cannot be transferred but germs and disease can Isn't that interesting? Holiness can't be transferred, beloved. But you know what? The disease of sin and iniquity and transgression and evil, filthiness, is transferred. It's always transferred. That's why we got issues in life. So what is Haggai trying to say to these poor people? He was telling them that, you know what? Something's not right here. Somewhere there's sin here in the camp. Something's not right. He was telling that that even though they've been stirred by the word of God, even though they've been motivated by it to get up and to to get get involved and start building the temple, and they're putting stone upon stone and brick upon brick, somehow the evil, wicked sinfulness that was in their life somehow was being transferred from their heart down their arm to the very bricks that they were building for God. What he's saying is your sinfulness... Children of Judah is being transferred into the work of God. Psalm 27 verses 3 and 4 says this. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the holy place? The psalmist there is talking about the temple of God. In verse 4 he says, He who has clean hands and a what? a pure heart. You can read in the book of Proverbs 15, 8, 21, 27. It tells us that the sacrifice of the wicked is what? An abomination to the Lord. In other words, you can go before God and you can make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. You can do all the things that God wants you to do. But if, you know what? Your heart is not clean before God. If you don't have clean hands and a pure heart, that doesn't mean anything. As a matter of fact, It makes them want to vomit. I want you to understand this morning what the message of the Spirit of God from our text is to us. Today, 2011. It's simple. It's this. That holy things cannot make you holy. Holy things cannot make you holy. And the priest was in his holy garments and he was carrying holy flesh. And that holy flesh was an offering to God. The best offering that could be given. Yet, if it came into contact with anything else... It wouldn't make the other thing holy. Well, how does that practically play out in our lives? I want you to understand this. Carrying your Bible doesn't make you holy. Some churches, they believe the women should wear a head covering. You know what? That doesn't make you holy. It doesn't make your heart holy. I will not even say this. Praying to God doesn't even make you holy. Giving offerings don't make you holy. Working in the church doesn't make you holy. Going to church doesn't make you holy. Saying the words, going to church, where our feet take us, where our mind brings us, All that cannot make us holy, beloved, because coming into contact with holy things can never change your heart. That's so important to understand. Holy things cannot make you holy. Secondly, it tells us that unclean things can make us unholy. (laughs) And although that holiness of the Word of God, when we touch it, it can't be somehow transferred into our souls and our minds. If it would, man, I'd sleep on a bed of Bibles. Not just one under my pillow, man. I'd, I'd sleep on a mattress of Bibles if somehow I knew that that could transfer God's truth and, and holiness into my life. Who wouldn't? But when we touch what is unclean, when we touch what is defiled, it comes into our very souls, into our very hearts. It defiles us. Let me speak to a minute to the Christians here this morning. I just want you to know if you're touching anything unclean and you know you're doing it, you're defiling yourself. See, you, we, we can't be humans and touch unclean things, and think it's not going to affect us. I mean, just being human, we're magnets for unholiness. It just kind of finds us in our soul, in our mind, whatever. And unfortunately, the tragedy of all this, just like the children of Judah, no matter how long you're saved, no matter how long you work for God, or say for God, or, or know about how much you know about God, If we have defilement, if we have sin in our lives and filthiness somewhere within us, it defiles everything else that we're doing for God. That's what he's saying. That's the message that is within this passage. Look over at Romans chapter 6, verse 21. Romans chapter 6, verse 21. And that's what Paul is talking about here. In Romans chapter 6, verse 21, he says, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? From the end of those things is what? What's it say? Death. What is the fruit of sin, beloved? It says it's death. Sin from the very first day that it came into the universe, it brought forth death. Do you get the picture? Do you see what Hey guys saying? A Jew that touched a dead body is for us, as children of God today, as us, we who touch dead things. If we touch sin, we go about with dead people and we partake of dead activities. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Got his inheritance, went out to a far land, spent everything, partied with his friends, and when everything ran out, his friends left him, and where'd he end up? He ended up in a in a trough with the pigs, swine, a picture of an unclean animal in their culture. See, that's what he's saying here. What about the demoniac? You remember him? He was possessed, he's cutting himself, he's bleeding, he's crying, he's out of his mind, the Bible says. And the Lord Jesus came to him, and you remember where he was living? Where was he living? In the grave. In the graveyard. With dead people. He was surrounded by him. He was inhabited around by those whom he was like. And when the Lord came to him and blessed him, and as soon as he saw the Lord, it says that he ran to his feet. And it says that he worshipped him. But when the Lord cast the demons out of him, where did they go? Do you remember? Went into the pigs. Once again, a picture of defilement. A picture of unholiness. It's a picture of our sin, beloved. That's what it's a picture of. It's a picture of all the uncleanliness in our lives. And if we go about touching dead things, sinful things as Christians, it's going to affect us. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I strongly believe in the security of the believer. I believe in God's grace. I believe in all those things. But don't, don't go to the other side and say, oh, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter if I go out and do sinful stuff. God paid for my sins. Let me ask you, Christian, are you touching what is dead? I mean, we live in a sinful world, don't we? We live in such a sin-cursed place at every hand, whether you go through the grocery, the grocery store and you're just checking out of the grocery store and you look up and it's right there. You're watching TV or you go to a movie. I mean, it's just everywhere. I mean, what's the Christian to do? I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The apostle Paul writes to these people and he makes his message very, very clear to them. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 look at verse 14. He says, "Do not be unequally yoked." He's talking to believers, he's talking to Christians with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we, look at what he says, are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean things. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. See, the children of Israel, they're walking around this temple, as they're building it, and they probably got scaffolding up, and they're, they're doing all the brickwork. And they're looking around, and they're pulling their hair out, and they're asking the question, You know what? I don't understand this. We've been stirred in our heart. We've heard the Word of God. We've done what God has told us to do. Why isn't anything happening? Why isn't our lives being blessed? Why isn't God's blessing coming down from above? Why, why, why? And the answer comes from the Word of God through the prophet Haggai. First point. In verses 10 to 14, first one, you need to confess. You need to confess. The Bible says the man who uncovers his own sins, God covers them all. See, we're so prone, the sinners that we are, when we sin, we don't, we want to cover it up. That's just what we do. We hide our sin. See, and it says when we hide our sin, God has to strip our sins away until we become, what? Bare. If you want to know, Christian, your own spiritual temperature, ask yourself this question. What is the time lapse in my life between me sinning and then me confessing that sin to God? How long does it take me? That'll give you a true indicator of where you're at spiritually. See, these Judeans, they were living with their sin. I mean, trust me, they were obeying God in many ways. They were following His path. They were doing what He told them to do. They were building the temple, the best they knew how. But it was easy to get sin out of their own heart as it is for most of us. And it was easy for them to do wrong, as it is for most of us. And just like it is for most of us, it was hard for them to get sin out of their mouth. (laughs) It was hard for them to get to say that they sinned, to confess it. I mean, do we deceive ourselves? I mean, we can do a lot of rational and, and logical somersaults in our minds to legitimize our sins, whatever they may be, to tell ourselves, well, it's okay. It's not really harming anybody. I mean, we can make excuse after excuse after excuse. But in the end, the end of the day, God says this. It's only obedience that I will bless. That's it. I won't bless anything else. I won't bless half obedience. I will bless obedience. And until we, as the children of God, see the seriousness of our own awful sinfulness before a holy God and the seriousness of our our sin, we're never going to confess it. Good little book some of the men went through years or so ago, called The Mortification of Sin. In that little book, one of the comments was, sin is not what we do, it's what we are. It's what we are. Can you see the seriousness of your own sin? In the book of Numbers, in the Old Testament, chapter 5, verses 2 to 3, just to show you how serious God views sin. He says in Numbers, chapter 5, verses 2 to 3, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp. Listen to this. Put out of the camp. Everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. This is Numbers 5, 2 to 3. It says in verse 3, you shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. You see how serious God views sin? These are just things that they viewed as unclean. And they're going, we can't have it outside the camp. It caused defilement to the whole camp. To be defiled, to be unclean, to be touched by a dead thing, to be doing what God says we should not be doing, meant to break. And you, you, if you, the result of that was, you know what, there was a break, there was a severing, there was, a, you might say, a divorce of fellowship between the child of God and his God. Separation. Sin is very serious and we kind of laugh it off today to see how serious sin is in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13 and this ties in with our communion time this morning in verse 11 Hebrews 13 verse 11 it says this for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place. Remember, they bring sacrifices in to the holy place. When they bring these sacrifices in, it says by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin. What are they doing? What are they to be done with when they're done sacrificing it? It says they're to be burned outside the camp. They couldn't even burn them inside the camp because it was defiled. Because it was a sin offering. The sacrifice for uncleanness, the sacrifice for iniquity, the sin offering. The thing that has touched dead things. Those people that have done wrong their offering was burnt outside the camp. So as not to defile the whole camp. And look at what it says in verse 12 of Hebrews 13. This is amazing. It says, so Jesus also, look at this, suffered outside the gate. You're talking about the Son of God. The creator of everything we see around us. The holy, righteous Jesus Christ the Lord. It says he had to suffer outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. I mean, do you understand how serious God views sin? Our uncleanness, our own sinfulness, whether we're saved or unsaved, as a child of God or the child of the devil, do you see how serious it is that even our own Lord Jesus Christ... Just like the beast, the sin offering, he had to be despised. He had to be put outside the camp. He had to be rejected by his friends, his family, his kindred, even his own nation. And he had to be pushed out into all separation because of not his sin, but our sin. Because he was willing to take it upon himself. He was put without, outside the camp. But worse than all that separation, beloved, I want you to understand this morning that he was even separated from his own father, the Bible says. He hung there because of your sin and because of my sin. And God turned his face from his own beloved son. And the Bible records that Jesus cried out as he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why has what? Thou forsaken me. Why did God forsake God? Because of dead things. Because of sinful things. We need to confess our sin. That's what the Bible says. Secondly, quickly, we need to be holy. We need to be holy. Haggai brought the application of the illustration to them. Verse 14. So Haggai answered and said, So it is with all the people and with this nation before me declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands... And what they offer there is unclean. Haggai says, you know what? You're asking me, children, why the work isn't blessed? You're asking why the harvest hasn't come? Why there's a drought in the land? Why there's no rain? It's because of your deadness and you're touching dead things. And it's being transferred into the work of God. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God told his people when he chose them that they were a peculiar people. Little odd. Little strange. They were his, what that means is special people. But he also says that they were to be his holy people. If they were to take the name of God, they had to be holy. Nothing's changed today, beloved. And God was telling his beloved children, if you're to have the blessing of God, if you're wondering why the blessing is not coming into your life. It's because, very simply, a lack of holiness. It's a lack of holiness. God is saying clearly that you must be holy for God to bless us. God doesn't bless unclean hands. God doesn't bless impure hearts. He clearly says over and over and over, you must be holy. Even as God says, I am holy. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. The Holy Spirit doesn't flow through methods. He flows through holy men. God blesses holy men and holy women and the gospel moves through those people as they give out the message of God. We pray that their life reflects that of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our daily battle is. Dead men and dead Christians and even dead preachers give out dead messages with dead salvations. And all they do is kill as they preach. But the man of God, the one who is tuned into God's Spirit and understands what's happening. The woman of God that goes about her daily business sharing the gospel and bringing the good news of the message through the Holy Spirit and through the filling of the Spirit brings forth life. In the Old Testament, the priest used to wear a little piece of jewelry, and on that piece of jewelry was engraved, Holiness to the Lord, and he would always wear it. He was a priest. He was the high priest. He was ministering to the Lord. He was doing things for the Lord. You say, well, how does that relate to us? Well, in 1 Peter 2 5, it says that we in Christ have become, what's it say? A holy what? priesthood. It says that we have become a holy priesthood, a holy nation. And just as Israel were the children of God then, the, the, the church has been grafted into that, and we're the children of God now. And we're the bearers of God's name light in the dark place, salt in the earth. And we're to have that same title engraved upon us holiness to the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, do you have it? Do you have God's holiness? 1 Corinthians 6 told us there that there's a temple that was made with hands in the Old Testament, but he tells us that, that we are the priests of God, every one of us, not just pastors, not just elders, every one of us who know Christ are considered a priest before God. Every one of us ought to be holy. But we also ought to be walking buildings of God himself because he calls us temples of God. Are you a temple of God? Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? Are you, as a child of God, blessed with the holiness of God? Do you know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? I'm gone in a couple weeks, helping Crystal move. Doug's going to be sharing a message talking about the filling of the Spirit. Be praying for him as he prepares his message. And Ken will be sharing the next Sunday after that. Are you free from iniquity this morning? Don't touch dead things. Don't touch sinful things. Confess it. Understand God's holiness. And then we have to be examining ourselves. He tells them there in verses 15 to 18 you need to look at yourself. It's not looking at your neighbor time. This is looking at your own heart. Do you remember the message that Haggai gave these people over and over and over and over again? Three times. What did he say? Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. In verse 14, he can't even call them his own people. He has to call them this people. There's a distance there. Why? Because they're not confessing their sin. They're unholy. They're not examining their own hearts. What he was meaning was, for 16 years before a stone had ever been put on another stone, after that point when they had been discouraged, and they stopped the work of God, no blessing came, no rain came, no harvest came, and year after year, they came to the harvest of weed, it says, and they were expecting 20 measures, but they only got 10. I, you don't have to be much of a businessman to figure out that's a 50% loss. That's not doing too good. They came back again to look at the wine vats and for, they looked for 50 vessels and they only got 20. And he asked them this question. Consider why this is happening, children. Consider why there is a low harvest He wants them to examine themselves. He says after telling them to consider three times, he says, is the seed yet still in the barn? In other words, you've experienced the word of God. You've prayed about the word of God. You've heard exhortation after exhortation. You've even maybe started acting on the word of God. But somehow there's still sin in your life. And as long as there's sin in your life, there's not going to be any seed in the barn. Do you want to be a fruitful Christian? Do you want our church to be a fruitful church? Do you want to have a Christian life that's, You have joy in your step as you walk with the Lord and you see blessings in your soul and in your heart. Do we want a church where we see God blessing us with new converts and the growth of those Christians turning into disciples and serving the Lord? Do we want that? Do we want the Christian love that we should have for one another? We can have it. We just have to do it the way God says to do it. Confess your sin. Be holy before God. Examine yourself. And the last point is a good one because we need to be blessed. (laughs) Amen? Amen. We need to be blessed. We need the blessing of God. Look at what he says in verse 19. From this day, I will what? What's it say?
0: Bless Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650 650- 366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's six five zero three six six, ninety nine twenty three. 9923 And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. GracefulTruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.